Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are on a path of feminine and masculine reunification. I'm your host, Sarah Poet. Women are healing from outdated paradigms and we are rising, but we're not doing it by fighting or further depleting ourselves anymore. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that unified truth. Here, we remember together through stories, tools, and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. We infuse the sacred with logic, soul with spirit. We heal, embody, and activate a new feminine leadership. Listen, learn more, and work with me at sarahpoet.com. Now, let's begin. Welcome. Welcome to today's episode with Nicola, my friend, Nicola. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome everyone to today's episode. Uh, I'm so inspired by this woman. I truly, truly am. So um, we had kind of met in the Facebook realm and this woman coaches men into kingship, into this archetypal king and is so well educated, versed, so clean in the energy. It's truly amazing. And um, I saw a post from Nicola one day that said, okay, it's time for me to write a book and um, I'm doing it and it's memoir. And I reached out to her and I said, I'm writing a memoir too. Do you want to talk about this and maybe be accountability buddies or support buddies? And we did. And I'm so, so grateful. So we chat actually every other Saturday and we chat about this real life thing of bringing, you know, feminine and masculine into union. We talk about this real life thing of being a woman on this path and wanting the best, um, for men and with men. Meanwhile, shit has gone down, right? And so we still continue to work this out. And so, Nicola, I'm so grateful for you. And I'm so, so grateful that you are here today to share your experience with the audience. So I do want to say before I um, play the interview clip, that this episode tells some really real story. And so I do want to give a trigger warning. I think that maybe all episodes of my podcast might come with, you know, an implied trigger warning at this point. Um, but we are going to hear a story that details violation. Um, and so, you know, I I promise that it is safe to hear such a story. And, um, you know, for those who can relate there, there may be emotions that rise for those that can empathize. There might be emotions that arise. So I encourage everyone to definitely, you know, keep listening. If you feel the call, I don't want to talk anyone out of it. Um, you know, but this is a story to hear when you're in a space to really traverse a big space with us, because that's what this episode is. So I asked Nicola, how did you come to be a woman who coaches men? 
right? Which is the space that I've uh, been in as well. And it's a space that I know that I'll go back to. I love holding space for men as she does as well. And it's so brilliant to see what can happen in that space. And oh my gosh, I could go on about that, but I won't. We talk about that in the episode. Um, and I said, how did you, you know, get to this point where you could hold this clear container because there has been, you know, such, such a path to have walked. And so, uh, she, she traverses us on that path, which I really, really appreciate because it really shows the amount of dedication, um, that she's put into this walk of really forgiving men of claiming her own inner masculine, her relationship with the divine masculine, and then being in service in this beautiful energetic of service. And so it is my pleasure to bring to you this episode. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. After you've listened, uh, please pass this episode on to one or five (laughs) women that you know would benefit from listening. And please rate and review the episode on Apple and Spotify. I'm trying to um, ask and encourage uh, listeners to go ahead and put forth that like five minutes of energy in response to what you hear today. Um, Let's let's get this podcast out to more people. um, And let's keep spreading this thing, which was not my focus in the beginning. And the These stories are so powerful. We need them to land with more people. So welcome. Thank you for being here. If it's your first episode or your, you know, 75th and um, so much, so much gratitude for you being here and celebrating such honest and authentic and uh, timely stories in this path of feminine and masculine coming back into unification here and now. If you are a woman listening who is on an active path of reunification of sacred feminine and masculine within and would like to learn more about private mentorships with me, you can go to sarahpoet.com backslash private mentorships. And I wanted to let you know very quickly today that there are four, there are four different options for you on this sacred remembering journey into sacred reunification. One, we are talking about unleashing your inner truth. So for the woman who is really claiming the truth of who she is, moving past the trauma and the triggers and owning her voice, owning it in all aspects of her life, that is unleash your inner truth, one of the options there. You can also look at ignite your sacred feminine frequency. This mentorship is for women who are ready to turn up the magic. You've been on this sacred feminine reclamation path, but you're maybe still not feeling like you're winning in life. And there are definitely energetics with the masculine there to work out. And so we want to get you into your unique frequency. Then uh, for women who have been on this path for quite some time, but you are clearing um, higher level distortions and coming into your um, sovereignty and 
energetic blueprint, um, there's a program called Live Your Sacred Union Architecture. And if you've been listening to the podcast, you hear me talk about the light body architecture that I see, and we work to repair that in which we're repairing um, damage that was due to previous traumas, this lifetime, others, and uh, yeah, coming into the sovereignty and the truth of who you are on a whole other level. Um, I'm also offering structure and flow as private mentorship. This is a group program that happens once a year. Um, and it, it, women are having a lot of success with this in private mentorship. So this is a time and energy recalibration system that also helps you naturally balance feminine and masculine energies. Um, we are taking care of resources here, time, energy, money, and this system, you don't have to know anything about feminine and masculine to do this system. But what I found through my own continual use of this program and working with various women in this program is that the feminine and masculine very, very naturally begins to uh, rebalance, recalibrate. Um, if you are someone who is definitely used to over uh, being overly masculine in your energy and getting a lot of things done, or if you're someone who really struggles to structure at all, this program is actually for anyone on that continuum and everywhere in between. So a time and energy recalibration system called structure and flow. You can find those four options and contact me again. It's sarahpoet.com backslash private mentorships. There are of course limited opportunities, um, because of, you know, I'm one person. Um, so if you're interested in this, just schedule a consult with me and we'll see when we can get you into the schedule. And I love, I love group work. I love these open conversations and I really love the deep dive in one-on-one mentorship. So if you've been listening for a while, you know, my work resonates with you. It might be a really good time to go ahead and look at these private mentorships. I look forward to hearing from you. Nicola D'Alonzo is a men's coach who focuses on kingship. Her work is dedicated to the growth, maturity, and consciousness expansion needed for men to step into the king archetype in their lives. Nicola helps men to map their consciousness, beginning with their personality structure, and then ending with their potential God consciousness. It's Nicola's work with men that leads them there. In this episode, Nicola tells her powerful story of being taken advantage of by a spiritual mentor and the healing work that she had to do, and then the calling that she received to serve the king as her mission. Nicole, Nicola lives in devotion to this masculine king, and in this episode, shares with us how we as women can elevate king consciousness in ourselves, in men, and in the collective. Welcome, Nicola. Hi, Nicola. Welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited to speak with you today. I I am excited to speak with you. I'm always excited to speak with you. Nicola and I talk every other week. We're book buddies. <laughs> And, um, you know, all things buddies. And so um, it's been really lovely to connect with you in this realm of 
being a woman and being in service to the masculine. And I just so admire you and your work. And I'm really excited to introduce you to this audience today. So thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for saying that. And I, I, I have to say, I feel the same. I always enjoy our conversations. We always go to amazing places and, and I feel the same about you with um, your work with the masculine and everything that you're sharing with women um, I think we're probably so similar in some ways. Um, only my work is with men. Yeah, right. I, it's definitely um, a, a timely and parallel sort of mission at this point. It feels a couple years ago, I was working with more men and I consider going back to that. And then I'm looking at what you're doing. And I'm like, you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's just really beautiful because this is the work of our time. I think you and I would say that. And so I really am looking forward to hearing more about your story and how you came to this. We always tell personal stories on the sacred remembering podcast that's all about waking up to the truth of who we are and honoring that and so i would love to hear how you became a men's coach uplifting men yes okay great question um it it started with wounding which it always starts with wounding it always starts <laughs> with wounding it really yeah. does and you know that knowing that after having traversed the wound, then we receive the gift and that the gift is always as big as the wound. Um, and so for me, those, there were three big wounds um, and they were sexual. They were rapes is what they were. And um, the first one was when I was 12 with my first crush. And um, I mean, I think it's really clear in many, many ways. There is absolutely no way I could hold or process or handle that experience. It was a person that I knew and that I trusted. And then I, it was the first time I felt that energy of, Ooh, maybe I like him. Um, and so the second time was when I was 16 and it was my first real boyfriend. Um, and what ended up happening was he was filling my drinks with pure alcohol when I thought I was drinking like a, a mix of a little bit of alcohol and some fruit juice at a party. Um, I blacked out. I had no idea that I had sex with him until the next day. Um, mm. And so that was at 16. And then again, when I was in my mid thirties and this time it was with the guru, mm. it was with the guru that I was absolutely dedicated to for many, many years. And that was just the um, most intense thing I could have imagined. It devastated me on every level from my own womanhood, femininity to my relationship with God, everything I thought to be true, everything I thought I could believe in. Um, it all crashed down. And it took me when I finally was capable of digging into it and actually looking at it and, and releasing all of the pain and the trauma from that experience. It took me three months to stop crying. Um, I would literally go out in my car, drive around Seattle. I was living in Seattle at the time. I would smoke cigarettes and weed and listen to random rab um, and just cry my eyes out 
like literally cry my eyes out. Um, and it took three months to stop for that to stop. Mm-hmm. And um, when it did, then the real healing could begin. And so those three, those three experiences were so painful to me because they were men that I knew or thought I knew. And what the the words that came many years later were, Nicola, you have got to get on top of this energy or it will keep riding you. And I was like, whoa, um, okay. And that had to do with men. It had to do with sexuality. It had to do with shadow, men's shadow energy. And I thought, okay, well, what exactly does that mean? Um, and that's when the the command came, you will work with men. And um, I really wasn't clear about what that meant or how I could possibly do it. But it started by me addressing my own relationship to my own masculinity. Yeah, within you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, I want to just acknowledge, thank you for sharing that vulnerable story. And um, I think that it's super helpful that you just shared that because, you know, what do we do? I would say most often as women who have experienced things like that is we go silent and, you know, we we're trying to figure out all of the parts of us and we begin to think that something's wrong with us. And so to name like, you know, no, there was a shadow energy here. Um, Mm -hmm. And then stand up to that. It's huge. So just thank you so much for sharing that. Mm, Thank you for saying that. Yeah, truly, truly. The decision was either I cower to this for the rest of my life, or I literally rise and get bigger than it. So I can get on its back and ride it. I love that. Can we stay there for a minute? Like before we, I want to, I want to go to the rising part of the story, but I want to stay here for just a minute. Um, Mm -hmm. If that's okay. Absolutely. Okay. So yeah, when a spiritual mentor, and the reason that I'm opening this question is because I think that there's a lot of spiritual shadow. There's a lot of spiritual shade um, going on. And so anytime I'm asking a question of a guest, I'm thinking of all of the listeners. And mm. so there's this male guru that seemed to have it all together. And you had been studying with him. I'm wondering if you're willing to share a little bit more about the well any part of that but the the being taken advantage of by a spiritual mentor um i think we have that going in the collective and i think a lot of women can benefit from that story if you're willing to share any part of that yeah yeah absolutely because um uh, you're right it it's rampant it's been rampant and it's been mm-hmm. silenced. And the only way it's going to change is by um, each one of us to stand up and say, this is what happened so that we can help our own selves rise and, and become bigger and each other to become bigger than what has happened in the past. Um, and so exactly as you said, he was a man, he was from India. 
he had the beard and the hair and wore the white outfit and had huge following. Um, he still does. He, he travels the world. He has, um, you know, bases of operation in a whole lot of countries around the world. And he comes to the U S every year. He has a huge following in California. He fills the Hollywood bowl. Um, and I was living at the Seattle in Seattle at the time, like I said, and, I was tasked with the job of um, organizing his first retreat is, is how it really came that I got so close to him. Um, as I look back now, I see that he didn't advance people in his organization because they were spiritually mature. He advanced people because they were benefiting him. Mm. And um, he was particularly committed to men. And didn't really speak to me for about four years, even though I was a really dedicated student. I was um, meditating for two hours a day, every single day. I was forgoing social events so I could sit and meditate. And I would watch when he came to our gatherings in Seattle, where he would kind of ignore me, pay attention to many of the men in our group. Mm -hmm. And these men weren't meditating the same way that I was. Um, and I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Hmm. And um, so I was, I was given this task to organize this retreat. It was the first ever one for him in Seattle. He was trying to expand his following there. And um, long story short, it ended up that he was not able to find lodging anywhere else, which I'm not exactly sure how that happened, and I don't even know if it's true, but this was what I was told. He wasn't able to find lodging anywhere else for the night before the day we were leaving for the retreat, so it, he had to stay with me. And I was, of course, honored. That was like, oh my gosh, the guru is going to be staying in my apartment, in my bed, you know, because I, I clearly was going to give him the bed. Um, and because I had a one bedroom apartment at the time, I was living by myself. Mm -hmm. And um, so he, we had a dinner with um, another gentleman who was running the weekly meditations in Seattle, um, who was his student for, I think, about 16 years at that time. And he was known to be celibate. This is what everybody knew that. Mm. Um, the guru himself was celibate. And so there was no question in my mind about any of that. This was just that, that whole aspect of him or any fear around that just didn't even exist in my mm -hmm. mind. Um, and so we finish up dinner, we get back to my apartment and the gentleman who was with us left. So it was just the guru and I, and he says, you know, Nicola, I'm so grateful for all the work that you did. I'm, you know, this is just incredible. And I really want to thank you. Um, I'm sorry. First, he asked me to massage his shoulders. So he was sitting on the ground and I was sit, um, on the floor and I was sitting on my couch and I was massaging his shoulders. And he says, I'm so grateful like, for everything you've done. I'd really like to thank you. Um, would you like a Kundalini initiation? And I was like, of course, yes, mm. I was floored. I was ecstatic. I was excited. I was like, wow, you know, he's finally paying attention to me after these four years where he pretty well ignored me. Mm. Um, and there's some conflicting messages in that too. And I think it's important to say 
this idea that when the guru ignores you, that's good. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a weird situation and it's kind of a weird, it lands weird in your psyche. I don't know how else to say it other than it's, it's a, it's a definitive conflict within your own being that to be ignored is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is what I was told as the years went by when he would come and not talk to me, but he was talking to the guys in our group. Um, oh no, that's good. Nicola. He's, that means you're doing everything you should be doing. Okay. Um, so now he's really paying attention to me. So is that not good? Um, what, but he's saying it's good. He's saying he's grateful to me. Um, and then he asked me about this Kundalini initiation and I'm wholeheartedly saying yes. And I realized much later how important our agreements are when we make an agreement with somebody some of us who are really motivated by loyalty and truth, when we make an agreement, we will do what it takes to uphold our end of that bargain, whether or not the other person is actually doing what they said they would do. Mm. So this was what was happening in my consciousness. I agreed to a Kundalini initiation and um, he said, okay, we'll go back in your room and I'll be back there in a few minutes. And he said, get ready for meditation. And I said, okay. So I didn't really know what that mean, meant. <laughs> I was like, what do I do? Um, but I sat down, I had a spot in my bedroom where I would, I sat every day. And so I sat in that spot and I just started the, the regular meditation that I would do. And eventually he came back and he told me to stand up and he said, stick out your tongue. And I was like, okay, I, there was a um, tongue mudra that he had taught us way back many years back. And so I thought maybe this was just like a, another variation of his tongue mudra. Um, instead, what he did was he stood in front of me, he leaned forward and he started sucking on my tongue. Wow. And I was, um, this is exactly when and where I started going into a state of shock. Cause I could not hold what was actually happening because what was happening did was not possible. Right. Because he was celibate in right. my mind, in my understanding, in my awareness. So what was actually happening and what was possible were two different things in that moment. And my psyche split in, in, for lack of a better words, I went into I was starting to go into a state of shock right then and there. And um, I remembered his mouth tasted like Indian food and I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. I was like, Ugh, that's not, that just was like, ugh, like not um, pleasant. And um, so I don't, this, from that point, my memory is spotty and I don't have absolute, I can't, speak to the details of what happened with absolute clarity. Although there are moments that come through that are really clear that I know beyond the shadow of a doubt happened mm -hmm. like snippets of memory uh, from that point forward. And in studying shock and trauma states, that's really common where mm -hmm. your brain is not recording every detail. Um, right. So, right. So a lot of what we thought in the past when women, when women would come forward and say, Oh, what happened? And she can't tell the story clearly. Right. We would take that as the sign that she's not telling the truth. Yep. Um, but th that's, that's actually not true. And so for me, 
what I remember is I said to him, um, why do I feel so scared? And he said, well, I'll take that from you. And from that point forward, he did, um, and he's kind of known to, to do this. Like he's, he's built up some kind of energetic capacity to, um, the way I called it is like, it's like a whitewashing of your emotions. It's mm. like some energetic thing he would do that would absolutely just like, like wipe your slate clean if you were feeling emotion. And he did mm. it again, actually later on after this event. Um, but so he did that. And from there I went into just utter speechlessness and it became very mechanical. It was a very mechanical experience of him telling me what to do and me doing it. This was mm. during the time when he was having sex with my body is the only way I could say it. Cause my, I was not present for yeah. that. Um, and so he would say, breathe like this, sit like this. He was having me do breathing sounds and sitting certain ways. Um, and I, and it happened that he slept with me twice. Like he finished two different times and he finished inside me. Mm. And the second time was very different than the first time. Um, he, like, I remember he took my hair and spread it out on the pillow. And I was like, uh, I just felt so um, uncomfortable and awkward with that and inferior somehow. Yeah. There was some sense of inferiority. And then he was, he was above me. And I remember looking up and seeing his face and he literally said, it's like a lion fucking a gazelle. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So and, this power, I don't want to interrupt you. Never mind. Go ahead. No, I mean, it, it, it was, it was, it was, <laughs> it was a, uh, he was literally admitting right out loud that this is yeah. absolutely no longer an, any kind of initiation. And not only that, it's predator prey. Yeah. Is what right. Wow. Yeah. Oof, I'm so sorry. Thank you. Yeah. It, it was, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it, it was traumatic. There's just no other, no other way to describe it from that point. When he did finish, he said, um, well, I, you know, normally people don't like to sleep next to me because I snore, but it's up to you. And he turned over and he immediately started snoring. All right. And I, I was like, oh my God, I just laid there on my own bed and I looked at my bed and I was like, oh my God, I never got the sheets on my bed. And I was just kind of like staring at the mattress cover going, wow. Um, I mean, I had just planned to come back after dinner and put the sheets on before I offered him, you know, the bed I had. And I was like, oh, I never put the sheets on the bed. I mean, like, this is what's going through my mind. Right. Right. While I'm laying next to him and he's just snoring, obnoxiously snoring. Thank you for sharing that story. Mm-hmm. And Okay, so here we have this man who is, I guess, revered by many in mm -hmm. a position of power and as someone who is close to the divine. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to like leap forward to now where you're working with men in their walk, their conscious walk toward sacred masculinity. 
Yes. Yes. And yeah, so that, I mean, it's just so fascinating because they're, you know, I'll, I'll leave it to you to share that some of that in between, but it's like that, what you called, I call it the destroyer program. I don't know what you call it, but the, you know, the predator, the, the thing that was like, this is going to get you if you don't get on top of it. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be with your own trauma, I'm assuming for a a bit. And then you get to the point where you're, you're like, I'm going to be in service to men. I'm going to be in service to true kingship. Mm -hmm. So how does that happen? How does that happen? (laughs) (laughs) It was, you know, the short version. (laughs) I know, right? I know, right? Because you know, it's long, you know, it is. Um, It's so, yeah, because I, I guess I'm saying, I want to acknowledge that there has to have been such deep work in yeah. between those places. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Yes, there was because the devastation coming back from that level of devastation alone was incredible work. Um, but you know, the truth is the very nature of my soul is devotional and it is this devotion that, is the reason that I can and do do what I do now and stand in the place that I stand with absolute conviction that um, I understand, see, and know the very best in men. And I am here to bring that forward. Um, And so it was devotion. It was the relationship to God. It was repairing that. And it was coming into the place of, absolutely nothing and no one ever gets in between you and God. Mm -hmm. It just can't be even the man who looks like the very depiction of what we've all heard is the type of man that you would put in the place of a guru. Not even that, not even him. No one, no one does because as long as we're human, we're susceptible we're susceptible to all kinds of imperfection and we will be imperfect. There's just yeah. no getting around that. Um, so those pieces and definitely healing. I mean, I went to a therapist, I went to a couple and I knew this was way too big for me to do myself, to process alone, to go through. Um, and then not I being mean, all kinds of quantum healing, personal healing. I mean, just all kinds of stuff, uh, two soul retrievals. I think it's important to state that um, literally the the second soul retrieval, I had a um, exorcism. There was an exorcism mm-hmm. that happened. Mm-hmm. I was I felt like I was going to vomit, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I was sitting in the shaman's living room on her floor, and she had a white carpet, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm going to vomit on her carpet." And I'm looking around, going, "Where can I vomit?" Which is going to be okay, and. Um, but instead what ended up happening, like my whole body was retching. And instead of literally vomiting anything physical, I, I vomited the spirit. It was like this um, mm-hmm. demonic spirit and it came from that guru. Oh, of came- course. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that, it's an entity. It must be. Yeah. It was an entity. It was an entity and it was an implant. And she said, the shaman said, it's because he came inside you. This yeah. is where, so this also speaks to the power of who you choose to sleep with. Cause it's, oh my it's gosh. Very- 
I'm yeah. sorry, I'm interrupting. I told you before we started recording, I was going to get so <laughs> excited and I was going to accidentally interrupt you and I just did it. Well, with my, um, okay, I'll be more discreet. There was a time um, where I could tell that a partner had had been infiltrated. And mm-hmm. in that moment, the divine guidance was he does not enter your body anymore. Are you clear? And I said, mm-hmm. yes. I mean, it was like, the clearest yeah. instruction, but that, that was brought to mind when you said that it's because he came in you. Um, and so, yeah, that's, hmm, that yep. can be transmitted. Yep. Yeah. It's beyond powerful. What, what yeah. that entity did in my psyche and in my system from that day, from the day that happened forward until the time I expelled that thing, that energy, that entity, what I heard in my psyche is I am a whore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've had that one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I never in my life felt that way about myself. Yeah. That never was part of how I understood or interpreted my own self. And um, it was like a deplorable energy. I felt absolutely horrible about myself. Like I was rotten to the core is what it felt. Um, and this nasty, dirty, sexual creature that was just horrifying. Um, and that was cleared in an instant as soon as that, um, exorcism happened. Wow. Mm -hmm. It was just gone. So I feel, you know, it was, it was a lot of, um, personal crying, processing, writing. I, you know, I wrote, uh, I started writing a book about just that experience alone um, it has been speaking about it. I've spoken about it publicly several times now, um, sharing it with the people who love me and, you know, um, who are there to support me. It, it was soul retrievals. It was, um, and then in the end and in, in the, like the very last missing piece was the work on my own masculinity. That was the, um, the last piece of the puzzle that made me feel I was strong enough now to, to do work with men and their masculinity. Okay. Yeah. Let's go there because I, okay. Was this work on your own inner masculine? Was this before or after? I know it's all at the same time also, but was mm-hmm. this the first step before you realized no one gets between me and God or was it like me and God? And then I work on my inner masculine. It was me and God, and then I work on my inner masculine. Okay. All right. My mind was like the, I, mine was different. I was like, oh, okay, I got to work on the inner masculine. Oh my gosh, I got to get God. <laughs> like, <that> was, <laughs> okay. Yep. All roads, all roads lead home. True. Yeah. Okay. So you start working on your inner masculine and what happened there? Yeah. So, um, so then I recognized what I was doing with my own masculine, which was saying, sit down and shut up. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I don't want to hear from you. There's not anything that you have to contribute. That's going to be valuable here. And that was a shocking awareness. That was a shocking awareness to me that this was my own energy. There was, there was part of me that was denying, um, some aspect of my own being. And, this is when I came into the recognition of like, you you really cannot expect the best of something that you are telling to sit down and shut up. Like those two things don't go together. 
Um, you're not going to get the best from that, <laughs> whatever it is, if you are behaving that way toward it. And so um, at the time I was dating a, a man where the relationship got really painful and um, ended up being, he, he was narcissistic. And this was then where I'm like, okay, I really had to take again, another deep long look at myself and where am I giving myself away um, when it comes to masculinity. And it was kind of that the trigger relationship. It was like the one that made me go, okay, you know, you got to look at what you're doing with your masculine. Um, and so I did that and it was just, uh, hours and hours and hours of dedication to building, 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 allowing my masculine to grow, being in dedication, devotion, and surrender to the masculine aspect of God, mm -hmm. like allowing that devotional part of myself that so much um, longed for a constant connection to God. So like, and she feels feminine to me. That part of me feels very feminine. Um, she was hungry for showing me how to be in, in service to the masculine aspect of God, to be mm -hmm. humble to the masculine aspect, to be, um, in surrender to that energy. And it was like the whole rest of my soul lit up for the first time. Beautiful. It really was. Yeah. So I guess I'll go to projection, you know, like when, when some of these one, when these traumas happen to us and in relation to men, although it can be in relation to anything, we can internalize that message about mm -hmm. ourselves or internalize a message about the other and then continue to project that image kind of out in the world. And I think we've got this going with, with women who have been hurt projecting a traumatized um, lens, you know, onto masculinity or a traumatized lens of masculinity. Um, how do you think that that's impacting us? Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, I, one, I 100% agree with what you're saying there. And I think it's impacting us in, I think it's beyond what we can even fathom right now, literally, um, because I'm still getting lessons on where my shadow places are and places in my life where I still don't have a voice because those things happened. Yeah. So even though I've healed tremendously and am able to be in a space where I work with men and I, and I don't, um, what I see is the very true nature of their being. And what I see is this like beautiful thing that just wants to rise within them. Um, this, you know, this King energy, um, I still see spaces in my shadow. I'm still shown places where, and I'm like, wow, you know, um, up against or in contact with a really beautiful man, my my shadow still remains my shadow, no matter what he does. Right. 
Yeah. Right. So it could not be more clear if I'm in the space of a really beautiful man. And yet I still find that I can't, I don't have words in, in this particular situation or like, I can't speak the truth of my own needs in this moment. Um, Mm. wow. Is that clear to me that it has nothing to do with him and everything to do with me. And if I don't find a way to heal this space, I will never fully be able to see him for the man that he is Mm, for the way that he can show up in this like beautiful way for me, because Mm. I have a gap in consciousness there. That's my gap. So I, you know, it's interesting. I wrote a post today on Facebook and I said, the King is here and I pray that you can see him. I think is Mm. what I think is what Mm. it was. And, and what I meant by that is exactly what we're talking about here. When I say I pray that you can see him, it means I hope that you're healed enough that you can see the truth of a king when he shows up, when he comes knocking at your door, when he shows up to help you with something or he's there to provide for you or protect you or be there as a beautiful presence in your life. I hope that you can see him for what he is. And the way that we can see that is through healing. It's the only way because our projection absolutely will distort what we see, no matter how beautiful that man is. Thank you. Yeah. So I'd love to hear you talk more about the king because you are, you're coaching men into their king. Um, Many are familiar with the archetypes in in common men's work. Um, I would love to hear you talk about your version of the king or definition of the king and what that means to you, what you see when you, when you see examples of the king. Okay. Okay. I'd love talking about the king. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because, okay. So yeah, before you say that, like we're mapping consciousness, right? So we just told a trauma story and like, we all have trauma stories uh, probably as women in relation to men, you know, and Mm -hmm. to be fair as, as men in relation to women um, in different ways too. And so um, now let's map some consciousness about what else to look for. Yeah. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, one of the most, I would say like a great way to start understanding King consciousness is to consider it. I mean, one, it's an archetype, right? So there's a movement from a man's personality to in, and he's accessing and resourcing archetypal energy. So the way that he goes about moving toward King, he needs to have some of his other archetypes initiated. And the three big ones that we talk about are lover, magician, and warrior. Um, It's not that men don't have other archetypes. Certainly they do. But the ones that show up in humanity right now the most are those three. And they have very specific initiations that that men need to move through in order for King consciousness to come to him, for him to be able to step into and land his own consciousness as King. And the reason is he needs to be able to call on at the bare minimum, his mature lover, magician, and warrior at any given moment. A King has access to 
that level of consciousness all the time. Mm. So that is one way to understand when we're talking about a king, what is exactly does that mean? It means that at least those three places in his consciousness have been initiated into maturity. So lover initiation is moving from understanding and receiving feminine nurturing sustenance and nutrients from women to God, the mother, Mm -hmm. right? So he grows up believing that mom is the one that's giving him all this. um, The relationship to the feminine is through mom. And at some point he has to shift that to God, the mother and realize that the women that show up in his life are a reflection of that. They are not the direct source and that he always has connection to the divine feminine through God, the mother. The, um, the next one we'll talk about is magician. And when we talk about magician, it's, it's seeing the part of a man who has learned a skill set over time. And he's able to kind of like condense all the steps and, and, You'll, it's like even watching a man. Um, I told this story the other day. My cousin and I were watching a good friend of mine replace a pipe in the basement. And we were talking to him while he was doing it. We kind of like turned around and she and I got distracted by something else. And when we turned back, he's like, okay, I'm done. And we were like, what? And my cousin goes, that's magic. All right. And so <laughs> <laughs> because to us, it was. We have no idea how he cut that piece of pipe out, put the next, fitted the next piece in, got it in there, got it screwed in. Like, so the water runs through there now and there's no problem. So even something as simple as that, it's, it's the idea that he took all those steps and he was able to do it and make it happen. And we're just standing there going, wait, you're done with that already? Like mm-hmm. that's, that's incredible. That's magic. Um, that's one way to understand magician. Right. He's also the one that gives the marching orders to the warrior. This is the thinker. The magician knows secret knowledge. So this is like the little boy that grows up who loves watching the ant farm. He loves to see the ants running around in there. That's he's like absolutely fascinated by that. And he's curious about what they're doing and how they're doing it. And he calls you over. He's like, come and look at this, look at this, look at what they're doing. That's the energy that grows up into magician. Mm. Um, and that initiation is, it's like our, the way our men used to be apprentices, like apprenticeship was very much training for a magician. Um, so some aspect of him, he has to have had some place or space in his life where he dedicated himself to understanding the step-by-step knowledge to attain a certain skill. That's magician. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Then, okay. Right. Okay. So then we have warrior and warrior requires a death. It's the only one that you don't grow into. Men don't grow into it. They actually have to die into it. And what does that mean? It's an identity death is what we're talking about. So there's got to be a place or space in his life where he moves from being the warrior, which happens. I mean, I'm sorry, the hero which happens in teenage years. He goes out and he is doing all these things and he's receiving accolades for doing everything he's doing in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's important. He needs to do that. He needs to be told he's good at these things. So he knows where his natural skill sets lie. But there's a point where God will say, okay, are you ready for me? 
And the only way you can answer that with a yes, the only way a man can answer that is with a yes, is by offering his head. Mm-hmm. He has to take the identity death. He has mm-hmm. to go through it. He has to go through the dark night of the soul. And he has to come out the other side saying, God, I don't know, but I know you do. You tell me. You do it. You let me know who I am. You let me know why I'm here. And it's with that humility. It's with that, like, I've gone down on my knees and I have offered my head to God. Warrior comes online for him. Beautiful. Oh, go ahead. And so this warrior is this, um, it's God aligned. It's always God aligned. There's no, it's all about, I don't fight for me anymore. I fight for the greater good. Mm, The greater good. So Mm -hmm. I have thought a lot about how the warrior and the lover are connected. Some call it like the warrior lover arc. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm curious how you think about that. Like, can a man go through a warrior initiation, but not the lover initiation? I would say yes, because this point of remembering God, the mother or the divine mother, that's something different than the ego death. How often do you see both? In a man? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's really, it's a really interesting thing that you're bringing up here because warrior will take a man out of emotionality entirely Hmm. Um, because he kind of has to be in that space in order to get done what needs to be done. Emotionality in the space of the warrior is not, it's like, it's not helpful. Um, He needs to be able to set that aside to do whatever it is that's being called on him to do. Um, and then, he, you know, warrior will bring it back. It's not that he's absolutely emotionless. It's just that he knows how to have a separation from emotion at certain points when that's needed. So, um, lover is a really interesting initiation because, um, it can be really confusing for men. The belief is that as I move into lover, as I as I move into the energy of my own emotionality, which is the fire that fuels the the magician, the warrior and the king, as I move into that energy, it can actually be confusing because it's the seeds of a man's spirituality. And so when spirituality comes online for a man, he can actually kind of go down a feminine um, road. Yeah. It can get confusing in there. He can actually believe that, Oh, I feel femininity now that I've connected to God in this way. Now that my spirituality is coming online, does it mean I need to go deeper into my femininity in order to be deeper, deep, more deeply connected with God? And lots of men go down that road because they kind of think it's true. And then this becomes the antithesis to warrior because now you have a man who's like, who's like starting to live in femininity. And warrior isn't sitting in femininity at all. So they can be like juxtaposed to one another. It can get really confusing and conflicting in there. But the truth is that it's not about the call isn't to go sit in your femininity when, when lover really comes online. The call is to be able to hold and protect and know that that is part of your being and that truly like 
the feminine is where the God essence sits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like she lands that. And then the warriors in devotion to that. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Okay. So I want to like throw these scenarios at you and be like, Nicola, solve this one. Um, (laughs) Can I do that once or twice? (laughs) Let's try it. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, Because we, you know, we have to get to the king, but here we are and these other archetypes and and we need them all online. So I shit you not, this has come up three times this week where um, women are telling me that their male partners see themselves as more spiritually evolved. Mm-hmm. And they're telling her that she is not reaching her potential and that that's holding him back. And also, these men are not the primary income earners. Mm. But they're saying, by you not reaching your potential and you holding me back, I'm not able to live in my purpose and I'm not able to, you know, he's not really saying I'm not able to earn the money, but it's like, I can't live in my purpose because here we are, you know, we're a family and because you're not in your full potential, um, you're holding me back. Meanwhile, these women are balancing so much and working their asses off and earning most of the income. Mm -hmm. So what's going on there? I mean, that sounds to me like, what I described, like now he's taken on this feminine shell because he's spiritual. He's moving into femininity and he's starting to claim almost like a victimhood to her energy where she's, it sounds like she's building masculinity and I don't know whether she's in it or not. I don't know if she's staying in her feminine essence. I would imagine if he's moving into his femininity, it's kind of bumping her more into her masculinity So he's feeling emasculated by her because she's showing up in her purpose and her, you know, she's got her life. She's got a lot going on that she's carrying a lot. She's balancing a lot. She's moving through a lot and he's not. So he's emasculated because he's not making the income that she's making. He's sitting in his spirituality, which has probably delivered him into his femininity. And then he's saying he can't find his mission and purpose. And mission and purpose, he's got to be sitting in his masculinity to really feel that fire. He cannot be dislocated sitting in feminine. And then, so he's actually blaming her because she is feminine. But the truth is, it's like this combination of projection and being in the wrong polarity. Right. So that's what I was talking about. And I, my example was a conglomeration of um, a couple, but, but this theme was so up this week and I was looking at this longing for the feminine principle, but they had not presumably returned to the divine mother yet. And so Mm -hmm. then there was this like projection onto her. Um, Yeah. Fascinating. Yes, I see what you're saying there. Yes, I would add that in too. That he has not moved his his but but he almost like can't because he's sitting in his own feminine. He's not in his yeah. proper space. Provided he's a naturally masculine man. If he's not a masculine man, then okay, he's he is in his his proper space and the, and it just sounds like the um their polarity as a couple isn't right. Yeah. So you know? do you see 
Where do you see money and provision coming in? I mean, is that kingship that holds the frequency of provision? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so it's it's there all along in a sense where a man is like, when he knows his, speaking of purpose, purpose and mission, um, what should happen when he starts to align with that energy as he moves, as he's growing up, through hero and into warrior and maturing in that way, um, purpose and mission should get really important. And when, when a man is aligned with his God aligned, um, purpose and mission money is going to start coming to him. It's it's, and it's money coming from the throne of God. We're not just talking about like the man who stuck his nose to the grindstone because that happens too. You know, you could really pound the pavement and and make it happen and make money come. Right. Um, but there's another way of doing it and, it, and it has to do with being in the proper frequency for your own soul's resonation. And so the, the piece around kingship, so one, one way of understanding it is the maturity of the archetypes. Another way is, okay, so we have maturity of archetypes and then he's building a kingdom. Mm. And what does this mean? It doesn't mean he necessarily has to have a castle and a and, you know, huge swaths of land and (laughs) lots of people working for him, although it might, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that what it means is that whoever is within his kingdom, and it may only be his family and the dog. Um, but the point is that what he's doing is he's taking care of all of them and all of his income and all of his money that's coming in. It's not only just for, um, every single one who's in his kingdom, And that may even move into his tribe. Like he's contributing to as big as he is, is the amount of money that's going to come in because that it's his job and role to take care of all who are in his kingdom and whatever that, whoever that means to him. I mean, that's his choice, how big he wants that to be, how big he wants to expand, Mm. how, how great he wants his kingdom to be. I love that. So yeah, when there is the initiation from hero into warrior, you're going to get your purpose and mission. And then it's up to the man to to continue to walk toward the purpose and mission and live in that fire. And I love you're like your money's gonna come. That's yeah. just natural. That's that's just what's gonna happen. Um, I love that and building the kingdom. So is there anything else um, you'd like to say about the king? And I'll ask that question. I'll ask a different question too, and you can (laughs) pick which one you want to talk about. Um, When a man comes to you, you, I would presume that he's in a spot, you know, he's stuck in a spot and he's saying, I want to live in the king archetype. Can you help? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you're yeah. in, you're in service to the king. Yes, yes, I love you saying that. I'm in service to the king. It's true. Um, yeah, yes, and so either they feel like it's already happening, like it's coming online, and they're like, "Oh God, this is so powerful!" Like I know mm. I need, I want someone to walk down this road with me for a little while until it lands with me entirely. Like I know I need to get myself set and straight and right so that I can completely land this energy and do the very best that I can do with it. Because I'm going to answer both of those questions at the same time, because the other thing I would want to say about the King is there's a great fear 
around a man with that much power. Yeah. Right. There's so much fear about that. And, and it's in men and it's in women. It's in both. It's in everyone. And the reason is we've seen the tyrant. We've seen right. so much tyrannical behavior that we believe that a man with power and a tyrant are synonymous. Right. But in our culture. Yeah. In our culture and even across the world. I mean, look at the leader of um, North Korea. Yeah. That man is like a baby child. And yet look at the level of power he has. Yeah. I mean, he was playing with us saying he was going to nuclear bomb us. I mean, that's terrifying. Yeah. Um, so the very fact that we still have world leaders that are behaving with that level of immaturity, that yeah. tells you about what we expect out of masculinity worldwide, right. worldwide. I'm even talking about, yeah. um, so that's one piece. And the, the, the thing about it, the thing about the king that we haven't mentioned yet, that's really, really important. The reason he's not going to be tyrannical is because he is heart centered. Mm. The truth of masculinity is that it is absolutely heart centered. And when we have a really healthy, mature, masculine being, it cannot be without the heart. It cannot move through that level of maturity without heart energy being involved. And this is how we get those words like valor and honor and gosh, what are some of the other words that we think of when we think of like really mature masculinity? Um, It all comes through having a connection with the heart and with the divine Mm, service. That's another service. Mm -hmm. It's it has. Yeah. Service. It has to be, it has to be, or we're not talking about a King. We're talking about a tyrant. Right. Right. Oh my goodness. I wish, you know, well, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to stop myself from saying that because I was looking at the glass half empty instead of the glass half full, which you and I were talking about before we hit record, which is some of the, what I'd like to talk about as we begin to wrap up is, okay, so we're women, you know, we're doing our work, we're healing our trauma, like you just so generously shared with us today, your walk of that. And then there's, there's the decision to, you know, look at men and say, there's no good man out there. Or mm-hmm. my goodness, I witnessed um, uh, a woman that I'm an acquaintance with um, take photographs of men on a dating app and post them with captions that were laughing at the men. And mm-hmm. my heart just ached you know it's like well if you're looking for a man and you're mocking men um you know you're you're not in service to the king so like how can we um look for and elevate what we want to see um i think i'm getting my question across you can mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How, like how do we as women then really receive the very best in men. How do we do that? Um, right. And call to, you know, we, we know not to belittle men or scold men. You know, we know that that's like not in a feminine essence or polarity. And yet 
I know that there are a lot of women who are listening that are also frustrated with men's behavior or want to elevate their partners into kingship, but it's like, well, what do I do with this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Truly. And there's a lot of like righteously angry women, like, because we have experienced some really hellacious things. And and it's really important to say that it's really important to acknowledge that, that there's been some real, uh, just incredible pain. Um, And, you know, it's a, it's fascinating because um, I mean, we know we can't elevate someone into anything they actually have to make that decision themselves. There has to be something which turns within that man himself where he's like, Oh my gosh, I'm ready for this. I'm ready to receive it. It's interesting in the last, I mean, I would say since 2021 started, there has been a really strong shift in the energy with regard to masculinity and men are feeling it. Mm. They are feeling it and either they're freaking out and running away from it or they are absolutely allowing it to annihilate them. It's a devastating energy. Okay. So what are you talking about? Because I know from like places I listen to that like the Emerald Order, the masculine frequency is like here. I mean, the kingship, like the King Arthur frequency, the kingship is like more possible now? Yes. Yes. Yes, there's an actual frequency that has landed on the planet. I do not claim to understand or know how or why. <laughs> Just know. Because it's time. <laughs> because it's time. And I had a dream in November and it told me this. There is a frequency coming to this planet. It is not here now, but it was before. Mm-hmm. And I saw Egyptian artifacts. So that led me to believe that this is a, like in the time of Egypt, we as humans knew this energy and we haven't seen it since that time. Mm. Um, but it's back and it, and it said it was coming very soon and this was in November. And so yeah. it is here now. And I am hearing men say to me again and again and again, Nicola, my insides are being completely torn apart or completely shifted. I am feeling like an absolute, totally different human being. I don't know who I am right now. I am moving through something that is just beyond me. Um, So it's here and it's available. And on the women's part, I mean, part of the part of our confusion with men has to do with um, we really kind of expect men to behave like the best version of a woman. And that's not possible. That's not going to happen. And one of the one of the ways that I mean that is to have even to just know and understand the masculine brain. It, it functions with one operating principle at a time, mm-hmm. right? Because masculine energy is kind of this container. We think of it when we think of like it's, it's in its most broad sense, it's a container for the feminine. Feminine energy is, it's like touching on a whole bunch of things all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And she's, we can process like, why does he walk through the bedroom five times right past his socks that are on the floor and never see it? Mm-hmm. And we're like, what the fuck? Like, why is he not picking up the socks? Be- and, and, and if you ask that man, he'd say, I didn't even see them. Because I was thinking about one thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, where she's like, she can hold, okay, I'm going to move from this one room to the other room. I'm, I'm, the reason I'm going to do this is, oh, look, there's a socks on the way. I'm going to grab those. I'm going to move it through. Oh, the lamp is crooked. I'm going to adjust that shape. Like, you know, she can do all these things on her way. So it's it's remembering that there the, that like men are not going to be the very best version of what we expect of ourselves. So that's, that's one small way of understanding and knowing it. And two, another way is to speak to the things you love about that man, the things that you see that he does, the things that you, the ways he does take care of you and the way he does provide for you. And to talk about that, like pump that up, make that a priority in what you see about him and literally change the way you see the way he's operating with you. Um, and if you see that it's not there at all, then you really need to evaluate what am I doing with this man? Mm. You know, like there's not, um, there is no reason to be with a man that cannot hold you in that way, that cannot be there for you, that cannot hold all of who you are as a woman. That's not yeah. the right man for you. Yeah. And, you know, if you're constantly critiquing, I would say, <laughs> like, look, look at your own projections. Right. Yeah. Right. Because that's not going to get you anywhere. Right. It's not getting you anywhere to, to, you know, project that all over him. I mean, there's no, um, men do not respond well to negative talk. Yeah. They really don't respond well to that. What they do respond, want, respond well to is positive talk. And, um, if you go down the road of just continual negative talk, he's going to eventually just absolutely stop hearing you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but you can literally grow a man by speaking to what you love about him. Mm -hmm. And I think, so I'm looking back at, you know, men that I've worked with, um, in, in terms of like me as a female holding space for them, like you do now. And that space is so powerful because the female, I'll say coach or space holder is not wife is not a mother is not lover is not anybody you have to impress and then um i have seen men just open in honesty and vulnerability and you know they're they don't have a lot of opportunity i would say some have no experience with a woman just letting them be and, and speaking to those parts that they, like you were saying earlier, you see the, the gold, you see the, I hate the word potential here, but that's what's coming. Like you see, you know, the, what did you say about, like, you see what in them that you just want to grow that or honor that. The very best. The very best. Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's what you said. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that that's, is that parallel to your experience with men that they're just so grateful for that kind of space? Yes. Yeah. To explore all of who they are on the other side of a woman who's not their partner or their mom or their sister yeah. or their friend. Um, I'm not any of those things, but I hold this really feminine space and they can explore masculinity on the other side of it and show me all of these places and spaces that they may have been afraid to explore before. 
and they can go, you know, dig deep into that and, and, um, come forward with that and, and, uh, feel safe because the other piece, the last thing I was going to say that has to do with any kind of contribution to masculinity maturing. And the last thing I want to say about that is trust. Yeah. Trust. If you trust masculinity, when you have a good hearted man, I'm not, I'm not, this is not every man. And this doesn't mean just go out there and blindly trust. Um, But when there is a good hearted man in your presence, when you trust more frequently than not, he will respond in a way that you could not have imagined. That is just Mm. so beautiful. Mm. Just so beautiful. There is nothing more powerful to masculinity than being trusted. And how does she show him that trust? When she says, hey, um, you know, there's this problem that's happening. I know you got that. I know you're going to take care of that. I know you're going to get that done. Mm. I trust that you're going to do this. Like literally filling his psyche with confidence. Like she absolutely knows and trusts that he has, he's got it. He's going to do it. He's got it. He's going to make a miracle happen. Mm. Because there is, there is nothing more motivating to a man than to prove her right. Right. Like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to make that miracle happen. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got the right consciousness for it. Because masculinity yeah. understands and know the 3D world in a way that femininity does not. Mm. He is yeah. set up for it. Mm. Yeah. Right. These earth kings. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And honoring the earth Kings, you know, and, and yeah, I don't necessarily want to go back to the spiritual guru, but it's like the spiritual, uh, the person that puts himself there as knowing something, um, but isn't grounded in the 3d and isn't grounded in these archetypes. It's, it's a no, it's like, right. a no. that man cannot hold you. Yes. He has a huge leak in his container. Yeah. He absolutely cannot hold you. And that's the thing about King. It's like, this is why we need to see that all the archetypes have grown up. Right. Right. Okay. So I think the last question that I have is, you know, it's more personal because you and I were talking as friends before we hit record about um, the type of relationship that we would say yes to. And I think that, you know, I'm definitely asking this question because it is also a collective question. We have, um, you know, everybody is in their situation, but like we have women in relationships with men that maybe that marriage started 20 years ago and she's waking up to some of this information and he's not. And she's like, well, how do I do this? And then we have, you know, singles and, um, and you and I right now are, are both like (laughs) pretty aware women who have been doing so much of our own work. And it's like, (sighs) what, what kind of relationship? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to ask the exact question, but I want to say, like, uh, you know, what is the the expectation maybe that you have um, if you're if you're comfortable answering that question, or if you want to talk about like 
how to, how to date as a strong woman um, mm-hmm. and what to look for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, it's a really great question. And, and I would add one final sentiment, actually, as you were talking, you said something that, that, that brought something forward in my mind and, and the woman who is with a man and she wants to see him grow. One of the most powerful things she can do is to grow her own masculinity, grow mm. her own masculinity. Mm-hmm. Because he will show up in some kind of reflection to that, or he will actually just kind of drop off. Yeah. Because he won't be able to hold her anymore. The the um the energy then will show up really clearly. So mm-hmm. so show that up in am- the external. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Between the two of them. Like it'll be either really clear to her or really clear to him that we can't be together anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or he's gonna grow and match that. He's gonna he's gonna like be inspired by her energetic system changing in that way and growing in that way. Mm -hmm. And that also answers, you know, what, what am I doing as kind of like a modern woman in 2021, as far as my, (laughs) what am I doing with my dating energy? How am I going to manage that? (laughs) Um, And, and the, and the, and the part of it would be that like continuing to grow my own masculine, right? Like really connecting with, my own king frequency mm-hmm. and and holding that within my own being so that now I call in and draw in the man who can match that. Yeah. And even more important, I mean, I'm a spiritual woman, I'm a devotional woman, but I mean, I can meet a spiritual man who matches me in all ways in spirituality. And I'm like, wow, you know, you're, you're like, you're right there with me. You understand me, you know me. Um, but that is not as important to me as some of the other pieces and some of the other pieces, it has to do with what I'm doing with my life, what I'm doing with my goals and the way I want to grow and expand my world. Um, and I'm really dedicated to building my life right now. And that has to do with my money. That has to do with um, the way I am even like having a relationship to land space. Like I want to buy a house again, you know, I've had a house in the past circumstances happened and and I'm in a very different place right now, but like I'm rebuilding, I'm right in the space of rebuilding. And yeah, I need to know that the man who comes into my life is at least as big as me, as far as all of those things are concerned. Absolutely. Yeah. And you and I have talked about this, but there's so much alignment with where we're at with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And people who have been listening to this podcast know that I've really been looking at this issue of like women and resources and how that tyrant or destroyer energy actually has gone after my resources like quite a few times. That was the thing I had to get on top of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to clear a lot of masculine energy from my life that was more collapsed or this sneaky tyrannical stuff. Um, and yeah, being in that relationship with the masculine where I'm building, I mean, it's, it's nearly identical to what you just said. And you've really helped me to see too, that like, he's, he's got to at least match you there. Um, because, you know, one thing that threw me as a woman was like, well, I never expected a man to like pay my bills. And then that's why I, um, I was more 
willing to get into a relationship with someone who didn't have command of money. And that's not something I will traverse anymore because that, you know, the not having the command of money uh, signals to me that he's not gone from hero to warrior and is not living in the mission and purpose fully. Um, And so, and that's where that that's where that bit me in the ass over and over and over again. And so, yeah, for me, the indicator is like, it's not, you know, like find a man with money, like in the 1970s or 80s or whatever, like it's not that, but they, they need to carry that frequency for me. That's not true for every woman, but that's for me um, at this, at this stage in the game. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. And and it's, um, it, it's interesting because it may not be exactly what you think or what we've been taught, which is this idea that like, oh, you know, I, I feel really good around him. It's easy to be, he understands me. He knows me. He gets me. Yeah. Well, that's lovely. But that, <laughs> <Right>. No. <laughs> that's not the Can basis. he hold you? <laughs> yeah. Right. Can he yeah. hold you? Because, okay, what is the alternative? When, if you match up with someone who, who is not at least as big as you, you are going to have to cut off parts of yourself. That's right. Yeah. And when we're talking about holding, we're talking about the energetic container. So the energetic container that you have and hold for your life, you know, like if I'm just going to be real literal, like if you make 60K or 80K, he has to make 60K or 80K. Like, he or, yeah. you know, or have the equivalent in some other thing, you know, but if you're living on mission, he's got to live on mission. If you're yes. living on mission and purpose and he's not, that will take you down. You can take that one from me. That will happen, um, <laughs> you know, and so, and, and there are a lot of men that will kind of try to ride those coattails. I was talking to a woman yesterday you know, and a man was refusing to go halves on living expenses with her. Like he was refusing to match her container, her frequency. Yeah. Yeah. So the answer, you know, I would just definitely say to any woman, like, no, no, because not to be mean, but we want our men on mission and purpose. Right. And here's the thing we've, we've accepted less than that for so long because we didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't get, we didn't understand. We didn't know what was going on there. And what it did was it let our men be in that space. Like, I mean, they just, they stayed there. Yeah. You know, if men keep hitting up against women who are saying they have their fuck no there, Because they're saying, no, you're not in alignment with your mission and your purpose. You don't have your money landed. You're not grounded. You're not as big as me. You're not operating in this world the same way that I do. We don't carry the same frequency. I mean, what is going to be more motivating to him than to be like, well, shit, I got to get my stuff together. Like, I got to do this. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, there's, there's not a... You know, I, I know that, you know, women listening or like, well, I want relationship. I want that love, but it really is like, know what, know who you are, know what energetic frequency you are holding and have that relationship with the inner masculine as well as the masculine aspect of God, such that you 
only accept a man who is able to hold you. Yes. All of you. All of you. Yeah. Yeah. The alternative is you cut yourself off or he's emasculated. That's, That's the answer to that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Nicola, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. It was great talking to you as always. As always. Me too. I <laughs> love talking to you. Um, and yeah, I, I know that everyone has gotten so much out of this conversation. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for walking your walk and thank you for being in service to the King. Oh, thank you for saying that. Seriously, that means a lot. And and the same with you. Thank you for all that you do. Um, thank you for being who you are and holding it down as you do and sharing the truths that you do. It's really beautiful and it's so needed right now. So needed. This is all so needed. All right, everybody, hang in there. We're going to get through this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.